0: Welcome to Amidon Planet. I'm your host, Joel Amidon. Thank you for joining me on this never ending quest to learn how to teach better. Today, on episode 83 of the podcast, is my best friend and assistant principal at Saukbury High School, Shane Bean. Uh, Shane is a return guest to Amidon Planet because he was around during the pandemic. He came on during the pandemic. We had a chance to reflect on Our years in teaching together, because we both started, we both accepted positions at Sauk Prairie High School the same year. We started in the fall of 2002, so 20 years ago. And uh, so we did a reflection episode during the pandemic, but now he's coming back. And we're going to talk about John Wooden's Pyramid of Success, which is a book that can be found in many coaches' bookshelves. And the pyramid, specifically, is a poster, which can be found on many coaches' walls, specifically the coach... Ted Lasso. That's right. In episode one of Ted Lasso, about 10 minutes in, maybe when they're setting up their office, you see him put up the John Wooden's pyramid of success. So what is the pyramid of success? And we're going to talk about it in the episode. So you're going to hear a lot about it, but really what I see it as, is John Wooden was a very successful basketball coach at UCLA. And he was also an educator. So that's also good in thinking about how to teach better. He was a, he identified himself as an educator. He was a trained educator, became a coach, and was, again, one of the most successful coaches. And so when you think about the words that coaches throw around, like success or poise or skill or integrity, uh, alertness, self-control, industriousness, all those sort of things, in this book is basically almost like a dictionary where Wooden has – refined and honed these words and definitions that put them all together and you can create well, the wealth, of pyramid of success. And so, and even to define success where success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction and knowing you did your best to become the best that you are capable of becoming. And so him as a multi, you know, or a legendary championship coach to say like, Hey, here's my definition of success. And really, that definition is is it depends. It depends on who the person is, right? Which is important because sometimes we put definitions of success onto our you know our students, our kids, others, right? Hey, this is what success is. When that might not be what that person's definition of success. Again, success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self satisfaction, knowing you did your best to become the best that you're capable. Of becoming. Now that doesn't mean that a coach or someone is like saying, Hey, we're capable of this. And now let's go back to John Wooden, you know, did he communicate to his players? Like, Hey, you're going to actually win a championship every single year that you're here. Was that, you know, (laughs) if they didn't do it, was that like, we fell short of success? Like, I don't know. Like, but I'm guessing that he was able to put into their minds, like, Hey, if we do the best that we are capable of, doing, we can be champions all the time. <laughs> so it's kind of amazing uh when you think about that. And so what I like about this pyramid is that it communicates these definitions and, and then gives you like handles for what they actually mean. And so like for example, we talk about in my program these ideas of like these pocket sized philosophy statements. And so having these pocket sized philosophy statements that you carry with you. And thinking about well what does what does each word mean so like my first one of my first pocket sized philosophy statements was to uh, I wanted my students to be successful in math and in life, right so basically saying I want to do a good job of of you know teaching the math but knowing that my job extends beyond that, but success right that definition that's the word success in there, successful in math and in life, and when I think about that word success i 'm looking at this definition. Peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction, knowing you did your best to become the best that you are capable of becoming, right? And so helping my students see that in both math and in life. And that's that's what I like about the pyramid of success is taking those definitions and being able to apply them and say, when I say success, here's what I mean. When I say the word integrity, I'm talking about purity of intention. When I talk about poise, I'm talking about just being yourself, being at ease in any situation, never fighting yourself, Right. So having these sort of handles on these words, instead of just throwing them around and and make where they're, you know, kind of buzzy, you know, that you don't really have the definitions behind them, but they sound good in, in a statement. But really, like, no, no, no. When I say that word, this is what I mean. And I really like that. And so I want I've been wanting to do this for a long time. It's just been trying to get Shane to get on the podcast to talk about it. Uh, because he's a busy guy, again. Uh And so, and we'll talk about how busy he is and about why he hasn't watched Ted Lasso. So uh, we're going to get into it in just a second uh, again, but I want to make sure that we kind of honor the book, making sure if people want the book, they get access to it. So Coach Wooden's Pyramid of Success, Building Blocks to a Better Life. That's the version that we're talking about. There's another version of a Pyramid of Success, but this is the one that I have access to. So Coach Wooden's Pyramid of Success, Building Blocks to a Better Life by John Wooden and Jay Cardi. It was published in 2004 by Regal Books. I think it was revised after that. And um, and in two thousand six, he won the Evangelical Christian Publishers Association Award for inspiration and gift. And as of the recording of this episode, it has a 4.15 out of five rating on Goodreads, with 76% of the ratings being either a four or a five. Now, as always, you know that Shane and I will not be able to communicate the whole value of the book. And even if we did, it would just be from our perspective. In other words, if you like what you hear, get the book for yourself. Right now, the book can be purchased for around 15 bucks. Uh on bookshop.org, which is a website committed to the helping local independent bookstores thrive in the age of e-commerce. A link to bookshop.org can be found in the show notes of this episode at amadonplanet.com forward slash episode 83, where your purchase will not only support local booksellers, but also the production costs of the Amazon Planet podcast, or better yet, wander down to your local bookseller, like Square Books here in Oxford, Mississippi, and pick up a copy um, even might be able to find it at a good used bookstore, actually, because it's been out for a while. But anyway, I would, uh, I would. It's it's a great book. It's a great book, and we'll talk about it now. So, without further delay, uh, here is my conversation with Shane Bean on Coach Wooden's Pyramid of Success. All right. Well, well, now we're messing with the podcast. That's uh, here we go. Well, Shane, welcome to Amazon Planet. How are you doing? I'm doing
1: good today, Joel. How are you?
0: It's nice to start a podcast in the midst of an argument. So, hey, (laughs) that's how we roll. That's how we're going to do it.
1: Well said. Well said.
0: Should we start with some abusive questions?
1: Yes, let's go.
0: Hey, Shane, why haven't you watched Ted Lasso? What's wrong with Uh, you? Why aren't you an American? Here we go. (laughs) Go for it.
1: Well, because we're in
0: the World Cup right now, Shane. We just had a miracle game win last night as of this podcast recording. And you're not a part of it. So why? Why not? Go ahead, Shane.
1: Answer. I'm not a col- I'm not a college professor who has all sorts of time on my hands and can watch a World Cup game, which wasn't at night, which was at one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> that's true. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> uh, we got uh, called out of school early because of uh, some severe weather down here. Just to be honest, uh-huh. so uh, it was kind of a uh, a nice. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the superintendent down here has, is a real big soccer fan, but I don't I don't think that's true, uh, or he could be, but I don't think that was why we got our schools let out early yesterday but we got to watch the world cup game anyway back to you no don't don't no divergence
1: well to be fair right is that uh, you know i work as an assistant principal i work on a farm uh, as well that my family owns i have four kids that i'm still chasing around even though one's in college um and then i do roughing and those kind of things i just i don't have a lot of time to watch tv plus i refuse as a child of the 80s and 90s i am not a binger right um I believe going to these blocks, right? I believe that you should have discipline even in your recreation, right? So two things to that. I eat my dessert slow, right? When I'm at I'm, at I'm going you have one, but save. yep, saver. And in fact, if it's one of my favorites, I might only have half tonight and discipline myself to have the next half the other night. Right, well, that's but just secondly, weird. right? Okay. In, yep. in college, you got to watch a show one week at a time. And there was that anticipation and build up. So I don't let myself binge and watch shows over and over again or or back to back to back to back and watch them all in one day. And then I'm done. Right. 90210 every Thursday night. We would gather in the dorm across um, across from mine and we would watch that as a bunch of guys. So right now, to tell you where I'm at in my television viewing, I'm at breaking. I'm going through Breaking Bad right now.
0: And so, what, ep- what season are you on of Breaking Bad? Season two. Season, season two. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I'm hoping to get done with this series by the end of next year. And then That's I'm going right. to move on to 24. Uh,
0: yeah. So, um, so Shane, as a, my best friend and as someone that I, I love and care about, uh, y- you are old. And so sometimes we need to break out of that for your, for your kid's sake and for the sake of everyone here. But Ted Lasso is a treasure. An absolute treasure, and I've tried to convince you of that. And I also know, knowing you, that sometimes the purse strings might be a little tight as well. And yes, it is a subscription service. But again, if you do the binge thing, you could crack those out in you know in a month. And it's only one one month. I think it's like five bucks. I'll send you the five. I'll send it to you. Actually, I won't. Uh, I might have tighter purse strings than you. All (laughs) right. So the reason why we're talking about Ted Lasso is, uh, because of the book that we want to talk about today. And that is John Wooden's, uh, coach Wooden's pyramid of success, building blocks for a better life by John Wooden, the great all-time coach of UCLA basketball and Jay Cardi. Don't want to forget Jay. Um, so, and, and what does that have to do with Ted Lasso? Well, if you were a watcher of Ted Lasso, Shane, you would see when they set up, when he and coach Beard, set up their office, uh, for the, at the beginning of the, uh, towards the you know, middle of the first episode, they're setting up their office and they're hanging up some things. I think one of them is, uh, a couple of pictures. I think one of them is, um, Muhammad Ali when he punches out Sonny Liston. I think that was one, I, I believe the miracle on ice when they won the, the, the gold medal, uh, the U S nineteen eighty U S hockey team is it 1980 or 84,
1: 1980. Yeah. 1980.
0: Miracle uh, on ice. And then, um, great movie with Kurt Russell also, but one of the other things they hung up was John Wooden's pyramid of success. And I'm like, Hey, that's John Wooden pyramid of success. And actually, if you look close, it's actually signed by John Wooden. So that, that gets you as a, as an introduction to coach Lasso and you see like, okay, like he's, he looks at some pretty, uh, pretty good, uh, sources, for his uh motivation in which you then find out later that he is he is a as both of us were coaches, some more successful than others um <laughs> that uh, uh we're laughing because uh Shane knows in my eighth grade uh I was a coach of the eighth grade football team at uh sock Prairie uh, middle school, and we did not win a game at all we tied I think we tied one but no wins. At, at all, so that that was not good.
1: Anyway, but you but you had a much more successful high
0: school. But <laughs> yeah, is a what was it, varsity, JV? No, JV. Uh, was it JV freshman. or freshman girls? No, yeah, yeah, freshman girls basketball. I wasn't put in charge. Oh yeah, because you got put up. You you got called up to the big show. Yeah, yep, I was yep. the freshman basketball coach. I was in charge of coaching. I was the assistant, but I was in charge of coaching that mm-hmm. game, and we won that game. The only issue is I was very excited about, uh, my, uh, the team and how they were playing. And after the first half was over, I get, we went in, gave my talk and like, let's get back out there. And there was still like five minutes left to go before the second half started. We had a lot of free throws and layups that we shot before the second half, but man, we were raring to go. We were raring to go Shane.
1: Now that you've watched Ted Lasso, do you feel like you'd be better prepared to have a better halftime speech?
0: Oh, absolutely. I would, (laughs) I would, yeah. You know, I would just put up, and you probably, I don't, you probably haven't seen this. He's got a little sign that says "believe," and I just slap that. That's it. That's it. And just stare, <laughs> <laughs> just stare each of them in the eyes.
1: <laughs> that, okay, that's effective. That's effective with freshman girls.
0: Yeah. So the reason why I have this book, I I have the actual physical copy of the book, and I'm sure you have it somewhere because you never get rid of anything. But it's it's somewhere. Um, but I we read this book together. Like we used to meet, uh, every Thursday morning, we still talk every Thursday morning, but we used to meet every Thursday morning at the Eagle Inn and, uh, uh, Prairie, I almost made a mistake there, Prairie to Sac, Wisconsin. Uh, and I'd have the Eagle Inn breakfast, greatest uh, breakfast sandwich ever created. And, uh, we would just basically go over one of these, did we just do one a week? One a week. Yep. yep. One a week. Yeah. So it took a, it took a decent amount of time and we do would talk about um, the, in the book, there's these building blocks and each of them is basically a word, kind of a word that um, you would associate with excellence, um, all building towards success. And so each of these building blocks, so we're talking about competitive greatness, poise, confidence, condition, skill, team spirit, self-control, alertness, initiative, intentness, intentness, industriousness, friendship, loyalty, co- cooperation, enthusiasm, and each of those was is building up towards the ultimate, which again is this idea of putting all these things together is getting you towards the idea of success, which Wooden defines as peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction and knowing you did your best to become the best that you are capable of becoming. So we decided and uh to take this on over uh, basically over a semester, I would say, and to keep um come back and keep reading uh, each little section kind of treated kind of like a devotional had that as our kind of conversation for the day as we had breakfast. And before we went to teach at, uh, at Sock Prairie high school. So yeah, Shane and Shane and I have been on a previous podcast. We'll put a link to it in the show notes where we kind of talk about our relationship with teaching. We, we both started teaching at Sauk Prairie high school in 2002,
1: 2002, no, 20 years, ago.
0: 20 years, 20 years. And, uh, yeah. And so, you know, we became friends shortly after a brief start where we were both taught the same uh, same content. And so we had lots of meetings together and that ended up being a friendship. And then 20 years later, here we are talking over Zoom, which is would be a weird thing to bring back 20 years ago and say, <laughs> hey, you're, we're going to be talking over Zoom. Um, yeah. So when do, when do you think we read it? Like, I, I know we read a bunch of stuff. When do you... When you think we got into this book?
1: Yeah, I think I think we read this 2006, 2007, somewhere in there.
0: Did uh, we go to an? I because I think I went to an FCA thing, uh Fellowship of Christian Athletes thing in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, yep, which is where yep. right by where I'm from. And I think maybe that's when I got the book. I don't know. Does that sound familiar?
1: That, that sounds about right to me. When I was trying to think about it, and um, you know, I, I appreciate you bringing it bringing it forward. Uh, because I've used this book, you know, in the format that we've used it. I've used this with several other coaches um, as we've gone through it in that same format, and and people that were just struggling, and and so I think my co- I, I do think my copy I've given it away um, uh, because it is a powerful book. There,
0: so, wow, that makes me feel bad, Shane. Thank
1: you. Yeah, you know, you're teasing me before, um, but I, I think Joel, what you know, when you're talking about that meeting part of it, I think yeah. that's that fits right even in the pyramid of uh of the condition. Um it's it's of how you condition yourself. And one of the things that was valuable, and and John Wood talks about being both mental, you know, physical, we think of physical conditioning, but the mental and in this case the faith, the, the accountability um portion of that, of conditioning ourselves and wanting to get better. And so you you went to this uh event and heard about this book or saw this resource. We've both been fans of John Wooden and admire him for who he is and and this was something that we could use to help us as educators, as coaches, as people uh, get better. And, and, but it is, it's a deliberate process where you condition yourself and you put yourself in positions to get better.
0: And I guess to go along with that, you know, and how does it, how does it do that? I think about, and (laughs) unfortunately, well, this is about learning to teach better. I think about when I'm talking to my students about like lesson planning and teaching, I think about um, starting with the fundamentals, like of what are the definitions? And when I think about definitions of these words that are kind of like, they kind of float a little bit. Like when you talk about, oh, like we should have team spirit. And here's, you know, John Wooden was a guy who thought about that, thought about how to create it, how to put it, how to instill it, how to like uh, foster it, like keep feeding it. And he then goes and defines it and like, here's what it is, because here's what it is. If you know what it is, then you also know what it isn't. And so mm-hmm. thinking about like team spirit, a genuine consideration for others and eagerness to sacrifice personal interests of glory for the welfare of all, you know? And so like having these definitions is like a gift that he's given. And, and again, that's why it's nice to have a book like this. They can point to these things and be like, Hey, here's, here's what I mean uh, by some of these words. And I, I find that as, as, very helpful as well.
1: And that he was able, you you described it well, that he was able to take these words that kind of float out there and really give meat to them. And you knew by his teams and by his life that he lived them out and that they they were meaningful. So the depth is great.
0: Well, you could could also tell, he, I mean, he is an educator, right? Mm -hmm. And so thinking like, if I'm going to aim for something, how do I build someone up toward that point? And so even thinking like when we talk about, you know, differentiation, right? And how to help people. I think about this idea of success, right? Going back to the idea of success, that direct result of self-satisfaction, knowing you did your best to become the best that you're capable of becoming. So not expecting every student to have the same exact uh, outcomes or the same exact inputs going in, but thinking about how do you like how do you help maximize what a student is capable of doing? How do you create an environment? How do you create circumstances for them to do that? And it's like, you know, hey, that's <laughs> that's what we're trying to achieve with regards to differentiated instruction and are creating more equitable classrooms. So uh, while
1: you know, having while having high standards. As yes, yes, that, you know?
0: absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, any other background? I mean, so that's where I guess I found the book was at. I guess I kind of heard of it before, but any other background that for you for this book I know you had some pretty outstanding coaches i would guess in the past that maybe have referenced this work before I don't know just yeah the out there
1: yeah um uh, the principal and superintendent and basketball coach that impacted me uh Tom Andres and Cliff Thompson both of them um were a long time um uh of John Wood and admirers of the of him um But, you know, from numerous perspectives, and this book does add on that faith component um, uh, of that, of of how do we look at a guy who's arguably the best ever at his face, uh, his craft, and yet did it with integrity, did it um, in such a way um, that you never questioned, you never questioned what he was able to achieve and how he achieved it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've got two or three other books, uh, you know, Um, of his on my bookshelf and when you think about the combination of of the faith of the basketball and of the education and integrity portion of it just was a natural fit for us to study
0: yeah no that's good and uh with tom andrews a former uh, guest on the podcast as well we talked about Mm -hmm. fish yeah Mm -hmm. that was a good one as well Uh, i would try to describe cliff thompson to people but i don't think i could do it justice Uh, he might
1: be more Ted Lasso like than if I. If <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> that's
0: <Lasso-like>. actually true. <laughs> that's, that's really that's really like uh, yeah, Ted Lasso's dad maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, not not in the. It was a little different. Ted Lasso's dad was a little different in the uh, uh, in the in the uh, show, but but yeah, just that that kind of unshakable enthusiasm. Um, also, a great storyteller as well. Um, all right, so. We're going to jump into the book and how we're going to do it. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I wanted to do a, a draft of blocks, uh, of the, uh, of the pyramid. So you get, you're going to get three, three blocks. We're going to snake draft, we'll go back and forth. I've got my handy dandy coaster here that I'm going to flip. And so then we're going to go through and identify our favorite block, um, within the pyramid, and and think about how do we apply it uh, towards our teaching and see what we end up with a- at the end. All right. All right. You ready? Okay. I'm told my camera down so do you we have can
1: established see it. which
0: one's heads and which one's
1: tails. Uh,
0: the heads would be, so it's a Nashville music city uh, uh, coaster. So mm-hmm. this is heads. The back would be tails. All okay? right. and you get to pick. Okay. Heads. This is a bad flip. Went on the ground. All right. There you go. It is tails. Sorry, Shane.
1: For those of you listening to the podcast, that may have been the worst flip that I've ever seen. It was a
0: bad flip. It literally flipped. flipped.
1: It literally flipped one
0: time. I've never flipped a uh, coaster before for, for, for competition purposes. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I uh, am going to start with uh, industriousness. We actually kind of joked about this one beforehand, but uh, it's one of the corners of the pyramid. And just to be honest, I did some reading and I know that wouldn't never change the corners of the pyramid, the three mm-hmm. corners. Those have always stayed locked in. So I'm picking one of the corners, mm-hmm. uh, industriousness, which is there is no substitute for work. Worthwhile results come from hard work and careful planning. Um, i <laughs> just seeing that now, like my, I've got a, my planner here. I am feeling a little bit out of sorts So, you know, knowing where to put my work. So that's kind of the back part, like the careful planning part, but then just thinking like, no matter what, sometime, no matter what the system is, no matter what you try to do, whatever tool you're using, if you're using technology, whatever, eventually it comes to a point where you need to work. Right. And so, you know, um, if it is at basketball, if it is at teaching, if it, whatever you need to put in the work, uh, to do that, there's, like you said, no substitute for work and, Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, one of the things that I want to instill with my, you know, students who are, I'm a teacher of teachers. And so, you know, like you, you do have to put, you do have to put in the work you do have to uh, think about how best you're going to, you know, meet the needs of your students. You, the, uh, I remember the, the, when we were teaching, we were teaching with a curriculum where we were facilitating the classroom. We never sat down. Like, like think about a time when you sat down in our class, it was never, it never happened because you were constantly facilitating uh, the kind of the mathematical discussions that were happening and, and trying to, you know, get it all to come to a nice uh, neat end uh, and to facilitate a summarizing of the mathematics. And like there was, you couldn't exchange that for like, there's, there was no, no substitution. So I I like the, the idea of industriousness is, Mm -hmm what I'm going to take in round one, the first, the number one draft pick of the uh, pyramid of success draft.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, You did steal my number two. That was my number two. I I just, I just, at the end of the day, hard work just trumps, right? I mean, it just, you can, you can control that. You can control what you do and what you work. um, And you can encourage others to do the same. So good choice.
0: Well, well, and seeing that too, you know, you know, coming from, you know, sock prairie, you know, there's a lot of farming community where, there's kids that they were not scared of work, you know, they're they definitely were not like to put that in. And so, you know, just making sure that, you know, kids or you know, my own kids or and also thinking about teachers, like, like, do they have that? Do they see like, Hey, hard work does pay off. And that's what I think Wooden would say too. Mm-hmm. All right.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, you took one of the, um, the, the, the triangle or the edges of the triangle and I'm going to go, um, to one of them as well for my first, uh, competitive greatness. Um, I know it, it seems too easy to pick it. It's at the top of the pyramid. It's what everything builds up to. And so, um, I appreciate you picked one of those that are at that bottom, just the core foundation of it. And, and for me, I had competitive greatness, uh, perform at your best, uh, when your best is required and your best is required each day. Um, and I just think about that, um, one of the one of the challenges. I do a refereeing, and I've moved into varsity and, and getting some bigger games. Um, but one of the challenges from another referee has been: no matter what game you're doing, you may be doing the worst game of the year. You might be doing a freshman game, whatever that is. Is that for those kids at that night? That is the biggest game that they have, and that is the biggest game that you have. Oh, and so you should like be bringing that. you should be bringing like you bring to a state championship game the level of preparation and work you should be bringing to that eighth grade B game in that same way of, of bringing your best. Um, and so I think about how that compares to the classroom, right? Um, there's days when we're tempted to mail it in as teachers. There's days, well, I'm going to have them another day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. That bell is going to ring. Those kids are going to file into our classroom, whether we like it or not, um, whether we're ready or not. And they deserve our best. This is our one shot at that day of the hundred you know eighty days if you have them for a year or for a trimester that we have for 60 days. That's one of the days that we get them. And we don't necessarily have to do something pushing an academic, but it is a valuable day. And what we do should be planned to be valuable. And at the end of it, no matter what we do, they deserve our best um, every day. Even if we don't feel the best, um, we might recognize that, but we need to bring it every day as an educator and in life uh, to those situations.
0: Well, and you know, I'll just, I'm going to give you some kudos, Shane, because uh, I remember, you know, because I got a chance when I was doing my doctoral work to come in and hang out in your classroom a little bit and which kind of was a, a nice, well, and also too, I saw you when I was a, you know, still a teacher at At soccer high school, but seeing the way you would interact with students and those, there'd be students who they're coming back next year to repeat a class, um, just, you know, choices or circumstances or whatever, like they're coming back where, you know, you might see some teachers that would might give up on a kid. Like, Hey, they want to put their head down, whatever. And like, I would see you like, and, and interacting with that kid so that a way that you were building that relationship for the next year. So like, Hey, we can, we can have a better experience next year. We or we can still learn some math this year. We can still, you know, build on, you know, it's not a lost cause sort of situation. So like, and, and seeing that, that, that challenge of connecting with a kid and just kind of thrive or just trying to, trying to figure, figure them out and try to build that relationship. I just, I appreciated that from you and, and took that from you as well too. And just cause knowing that that kid might have similar experiences in other classes where they're not being paid attention to, they're not being seen. And like you would see all these kids and and also making sure to try to build those relationships with them and I I I appreciate that and it seemed like that it was kind of a indicative of this uh building block here.
1: Yeah. No, thank you. And that's that's one of the biggest things right as we continue to fight gaps um you know what you're describing is how do we how do we include all and how do we bring our best to all um every day no matter their circumstances. So no, thank you for that.
0: Yeah. Um so I'm going to I'm going to round out the uh the three corners of the pyramid here. And it's speaking of, uh, I think the, uh, grand grandmaster of this, um, uh, descriptor, uh, Cliff Thompson, I'm going to, I'm going to go for enthusiasm. Um, I've heard him say that word a few times, but so enthusiasm is brushes off upon those with whom you come in contact. You must truly enjoy what you're doing. And I, I mean, when I, I, I consider the first meeting Cliff Thompson and the enthusiasm that he had for life for uh, interacting with kids. I use the athletic director at that time, uh, our activities director and just, you know, and also I think he did the announcements and it was just, just a pleasure, you know, and so he just got fired up for things. And also I think Tom Andrews also displayed that as well. It just enthusiasm for the job and just made you want to like, just run to your classroom and like, let's get ready for this, you know, this year, or this day or whatever. And so, and that is true. So, that brushes off and just seeing that and seeing that effect on me and thinking, like, okay, I want that effect on others. And also seeing that with students that I'm, you know, trying to teach to be teachers or t- trying to help them be the teachers that they're supposed to be. Like, you see how enthusiastic they are. And then when they go to be, a, you know, to take on the teacher role, sometimes they act like teachers rather than being the teacher that they're called to be. Right. And I think you and I had very, some very different styles with our approach to teaching, but both I think would be described as enthusiastic just in different ways. Right. Um, but having that sort of, um, that enjoyment of being in the classroom and thinking about how best to interact with kids, how to help them understand things or getting excited for, you know, their understandings, like, Oh my gosh, you came up with something. You you did that problem really well and and whatever the way they described it. And so I, I think enthusiasm is, is, a uh, one, I can see why it's a cornerstone, and I can see also why um, it, it's be important to have as a a, a cornerstone of success, right? Because if you know you want them to be successful, you want them to achieve what they can. You need some enthusiasm. You need to have some enjoyment in that in what you're engaging in.
1: And Joel, I can see this is this is highlights some of the differences between us. I didn't have enthusiasm on my list of, of, of draft. And yet, for you, this is your this is your next choice. And I think I think you described it well in there. I think we're both enthusiastic. But when I read the description of the energy and those kind of things, you brought that every day, and I wish I'm jealous of that. Um, that I I didn't. I was enthusiastic, and I appreciate how you said that. Even that I was enthusiastic in different ways. And if you walked into both of our classrooms, you'd see a different energy level and a different part of that. And that's something that I've always been envious of you. Um, that you can bring to projects and, and to presentations. Um, and so for me, that enthusiasm leads into my next choice of poise, um, which is on the, on the second uh, to highest tier of the pyramid, uh, one of the direct building blocks to competitive greatness. Um, and in poise, a Wooden talks about be yourself. Uh, don't be thrown off by events, uh, good or bad. Um, and, and I think poise, um, brings in some of the other lower ones of discipline and, and self-control, um, preparation of the confidence that comes with that. Um, but I really appreciate that be yourself. And I think for educators in the classroom, that's really important. Um, I could try to be you, but that would, that would not go well, uh, for the students because it's not who I am. As a coach, right, I'd watch these successful coaches, and they yell, and they get all fired up, and i try to copy that, and I could do it for five minutes maybe because it's not my personality. And when I'm not true to myself, then I'm not the teacher that I need to be because it's not a natural outflow. Now I'm putting on a performance as opposed to leading and teaching um, in that way. And and even as a, as an educator, right, there are things that are going to happen in that period of time when we're in the class, where where a kid's going to get upset, or there's going to be a cheating episode, or or you know another kid's going to do something to another kid. And how do we remain poised? How do we remain in control, um, caring for both sides of it, um, and and being able to be steady and and calm throughout the situation? Uh, so I just I just. You can, and when you walk into a classroom, you can see, you know, that the educator has poise, or you can see that this is something that they need to work on. I'm sure, as as a leader of new teachers, that that you can sense that uh, as well as you watch them grow over the course of the time in the program.
0: Yeah, we have a uh, um, a virtual simulation classroom that people can go in and, and get a chance to like do a practice lesson and. And that's, it's almost like a test in, in poise to see like how comfortable they are in their own skin. And like, you see how they're either, you know, they're, they're doing it or they're like, they're like, at the end it said, never fighting yourself. They're seeing, they're fighting themselves. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what and sometimes we don't always like who
1: we are. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I mean, we're just like, or even in like. I, I, I think I know what I'm supposed to be, but I'm trying, I am trying, like you're saying, trying to be something different. And it's like, well, that's not, that's not who I am as a, as a teacher, or like you're saying, as a coach uh, versus <laughs> me, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know if you, you know this, Shane, I'm a very vocal basketball coach here for the, <laughs> uh, and the Oxford uh, parks to commission uh, team. We're trying to be the bucks again this year. And yeah, uh-huh. you'll, you'll know where, if you go into the gym, you'll know where I am. <laughs> Uh, fairly quickly, really quickly. Um, so you're now I got so we kind of changed the rules a little bit. I was going for the, the greatest like a material from the pyramid of success. And so the pyramid is made of blocks, but also has mortars, mm-hmm. uh, mortar qualities. And the one that I really like that that stuck with me for a long time is integrity, which is the purity of intention. And so trying to be, uh, and I see that as almost like being uh, consistent with you know with your interactions everything like who you are when nobody's looking as the same person as who you are when everyone's looking that sort of thing um i i really i, I like that um but that's not on your pyramid so we can't i can't no, go pick ahead. that one it, no it, i'm not I? picking it no i'm not Good. picking it i'm going i'm going elsewhere all right uh, i'm going to go uh, so i'm having to do i i like the condition we talked about condition mental moral physical but i'm actually going to go with skill. Okay. Um, so I, th- I think these fit together. So, and I'll, and I'll, I'm going to round them out. Once we're done, we're going to kind of round them out and see how they fit together. So I'm going with skill, a knowledge of the, of, and the ability to properly and quickly execute the fundamentals, be prepared and cover every detail. So, um, there are th- certain things in order to make the whole thing work. So you know, let's go to back to basketball, watching the golden state warriors. Like when Kevin Durant was on the team, was a thing of beauty. I mean, it was a, it was a masterpiece in the way that they interacted and the way they passed into like even watching, you know, some of the games where, um, clay Thompson would score like 40 and only take like three dribbles. And that was not just because of him that because of a whole team that sees that he's hot and knows to get him to pass the right spot, he doesn't even need to take a dribble because he can just shoot, pull up, and then he's scoring all sorts of points. But all the skills that go into that, like those are all very skilled individuals. And so thinking about what are the skills you need to have? So like even thinking about it from a teaching perspective, do you have a master of the technology? If you're using your Promethean board, you know how to use it other than being a glorified like just uh projector of an image right? Versus being able to do all the skills and things with it. Or, or if you're using slides or using it to the best of your ability or or whatever, like being able to execute, not just limited to technology, but even just how to listen and hear all the different interactions and be able to take um, the different things that kids are giving you, position them uh, in a way that, hey, well, let's talk about this one first. And that leads into thinking about this person. Now I'm going to ask this person a question because that leads into this thing. And all the get to the point of, they are all saying everything that I wanted to say as a teacher. And I didn't even have to say a word, just like Clay Thompson doesn't have to take all those dribbles because he let the team do everything. Like there's so much skill that's involved with that. And so mm-hmm. having those skills means going, you know, and you need that. You need that in order to, to do the job well. And so I I, I like, like skill and having those fundamentals down. Mm-hmm. And also, too, I had a class. It was the hardest math class I've ever taken. And the guy said, if you understand the definitions, you'll get a C. And I'm like, whoa. I'll just memorize the definitions. I'll get a C and I'll I'll, I'll be fine, right? But then it was tricked us because he's like, if you memorize the definitions, all this other stuff, all this other stuff that you think is super, super hard becomes really easy because now you know what a field is, you know what a ring is and I'm talking abstract algebra stuff, but you know what all that stuff is and so that becomes, makes this question that would be like way out in left field for anyone else that's reading it, that becomes just plain English to you and all of a sudden now this problem becomes a lot easier because you understand the fundamentals the skills right so that there we go skill
1: uh and uh again uh, you are one of the most skilled educators uh, particularly in math that i know uh, so that is a good choice um thank you shane you're welcome uh, is there
0: purity of intention do you have integrity with that comment i do i do have it awesome thank you
1: um uh, I, I, I've i got a tie for the next one. And so I've already talked about condition. So I think I'm going to go with team spirit, uh, which is right next to skill on on the pyramid. And uh, here we've got the star of the team is a team and, and we supersedes me. Um, and it, it goes back to, you know, to that competitive greatness where you want to be the best, you want to be that person, but yet you're part of a team. Um, and And for me, you know, we've talked about this before is, um, as a young teacher, it bothered me when my students went to somebody else for help, another teacher in the department for Mm -hmm. help, um, because I have full confidence in how I explain things and I had full confidence in how I connected with my students. And so it was a personal affront to me when a student went to another, um, another teacher for help and that took some personal reflection and growth um, inside myself of St. Shane. Um, there's 200 kids in every in every class here. There's 800 kids total. The beauty of being in a school, you know, a medium sized school like that is that they have other people that they can go to that they connect differently with, or explain using different, or they just they just learn it from them. And if my goal as an educator is to get kids to learn um, to the highest level, then why am I worried if it comes from me or if it comes from somebody else that they're more comfortable with and they're coming there. And and that, that key, that realization, and I'm not proud to say that that's where I was originally at, but that, that real reflection and realization unlocked a lot of things for me because then when I was in team meetings um, with other teachers going through stuff, now my focus should, could shift from not just how do I apply this to my classroom, but how do we apply this then to all of our classrooms? Because those phrases, you know, when when Miss Fingerson wins, I win. Um, when she succeeds with a student, I succeed with a student. Um, and just having that sense around us, because it's really easy as an educator, especially in math, where it just feels different than everybody else. And, and math is just gets beat up on a lot of just you know, wanting oh, English has it so easy, or or this group has it so easy. Um, we are all part of one team then in that school not just in your department, but in that school, melding and molding these students in different aspects of who they are, while hopefully having some of these fundamental things that we're working through that we share as our culture. And then that spreads to our district and to our community of of those building blocks that we're trying to instill in them. And and so we think about team from coaching and and all the cliches that go there, but I think it's it's important that being an educator um, because if you're not on the same team pulling for the same goal, um, then we just go into our silo in our classroom and we don't share, we don't collaborate and we don't help the system as a, as a whole get better.
0: Yeah. Well, I think too, uh, back to our, our days when we had the, uh, our course meetings and then even thinking about our individual classrooms where a lot of times we weren't the only adults in the room too, because we were supporting some kids with some needs and, um, and they had uh, some support systems within their, and they became part of our, the instructional team. And then you see, like, hey, it's not me explaining it's uh Brenda Hamill explaining uh a, a question to somebody or it's uh, you know um uh, Marlene. Marlene Bickford. Marlene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, like and having like all these like all these people like being a part of this, you know, cloud of effort where the goal is, like you're saying, like to have the math this relationship with mathematics where there's some understanding about these concepts that we're trying to teach. And we're all a part of that process versus, you know, some of the people that when you for, they first started coming to our classrooms, they were like, I'm kind of nervous about being in this classroom. But like having the poise, right, to uh, being able to uh, be a part of the instructional team and and be a part of uh, someone that people feel comfortable going to. And like, hey, that's a win for everyone. Um, so, yeah, part of that team spirit there. Definitely. All right. So we got some kind of unique lists here, Shane. I see how they fit together. Yeah. So. For you, you had competitive greatness, mm-hmm. poise,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and team spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I'll give you a second to think about how those fit together. I had some thoughts about mine. So, industriousness, enthusiasm, and skill. Because I think those are nice bookends the industriousness and skill for mm-hmm. the enthusiasm. Because sometimes the enthusiasm, the enthusiastic person, you know, the you rah rah sort of person. That might be like the facade, right? That there's not the um, the the you know the work ethic or the the skill behind it. Like that's just like, hey, we're gonna be in. We just have this kind of front, and then there's not a lot of um, you know solid stuff behind it. Um, and that having the industriousness and skill, I think those are that that makes up a nice nice little uh, trifecta there uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that you know we have that, but we're also like. I guess too, like you're you being on the farm. There's probably the, the the enthusiastic worker on the farm. Probably makes working on the farm a lot easier to do too. I would assume, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As long as we're safe, right? We can yeah, have, yeah. A, yeah. As long as we're safe. Yeah. Um, but uh, to be the the that one that hey, it's we're. You know, I I just remember like lifting weights or doing other things like or doing hard projects uh, in school or else, you know, even our team meetings where we're all kind of crunching away at, at, you know, trying to develop the course. And, hey, if we can have a little fun while we're doing it as well and enthusiasm around it, that that makes everything a little bit better. So that kind of hard work with the enthusiasm mixed together, I kind of like. How about you with competitive greatness, poise and team spirit?
1: Yeah, I would take it. um, So poise talks about being yourself, um, uh, talks about that aspect for you, of you being, you being who you are, don't be thrown off by the good or the bad. So we've got, we've got that poise aspect that covers who you are. And then we've got that team aspect. So that, that being yourself, then how does that fit, um, within that, that team spirit? Um, each person is, is, is different. Uh, each person brings their own strengths and weaknesses and, um, and so when we put those together then on a team, whether it be on a course level team, uh, the two or three, or depending on the size of the school that teaches, be in a department, um, what may be of that 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 poise that you bring, then you 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 present that and you use that um, to the advantage of the team spirit. And then that folds into me with the competitive greatness that 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 you what you bring, being yourself, then to the team that folds into that goal of bringing the best that we can every day for our students, um, and, and striving, um, to, to get them there and, and different than a game, right? When we coach, right. we make those parallels and, and wouldn't, even though he was a basketball coach, he truly was a, a life coach. Yeah. He was that coach that stayed in contact with us. It was, and, and they stayed, you know, the, the stories about, as he was, as he was preparing to pass on, um, of the, of the players that just streamed back and, and had yeah. to make that contact with them is evidence that they weren't there just for that. They might've started there as 17, 18 year old kids, but they, he brought them to a different place. And so that competitive greatness of how do we bring our kids to a better place, not just in math, not just as a teachers and educators, but as people, um, we can only do that as a team built up of these individuals with poise.
0: Yeah, That's was good. I like my team. I like your team. I think we did a pretty good job. And again, all building towards, again, this idea, this definition of success, which is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction, knowing you did your best to become the best that you are capable of becoming. Um, do, you ha- do you have any ways that you've used this pyramid in your teaching or any, even thinking about it a little bit and an application in either your teaching of students or even your your role as an administrator and kind of teaching of teachers as well, or right? even other administrators.
1: Yeah, I think, I think there's a, a couple that I would highlight um, different than ones we talked about is alertness, um, constantly being aware and observing and always seek to improve yourself and the team. And I like that uh, as an, as an administrator, right? I'm in classrooms in and out uh, observing, doing that naturally as part of the position. Um, but as an educator in general, of just of just always seeking to to learn and to grow from others as to how to get better, how to how to how to steal a practice or understand how to explain something uh better or differently. Um and alert, you know, it doesn't feel like always the right word for that, but the concepts behind it of yeah. just being being not being satisfied of, of trying to get better. And then uh, loyalty. I'm sorry, cooperation. Um, and, and I love what he said. This is one of the foundational blocks. I love what he says. Have utmost concern for what's right rather than who's right. And this goes back to a story I've used numerous times as I've worked with with uh, with educators of, of how we work together. That we had such different styles. We had such different ways of going in the classroom. Uh, so we are divergent in so many different ways. And, and that frustrated me sometimes. But that part of, we, I, we both had that utmost concern for what's right. We were both trying to reach the same goal. And we weren't, I mean, we'd like to be the one that's right. And we tried to convince each other that our way was right. <laughs> that's right. But, but we could have that deep and enduring friendship as well as collaborative relationship in, in our classrooms, two doors down from each other, because we had that focus on what's right. And if you did something that worked for you and that I could fit within my style, that was true to myself, all those things, then I would incorporate that in my way. And similarly to you, you could see something from Slow and Steady Shane that, yep, this might be something that I should incorporate into my enthusiastic jump forward, Joel, that that, and that's what I believe brought us both forward in a period of tremendous growth, which I'd like to say for both of us, that helped us both get to the different positions we're in today. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I also think I mean, even to, and I wanted to throw this in there too, even as a parent as well, some of these building blocks as well. Cause we've, we've had conversations, not conversations about teaching in the classroom, but also teaching around the dining table uh, as well, or the dinner table. So even thinking about like ideas of initiative or friendship, I mean, even just the, I like initiative, cultivate the ability to make decisions and think alone, do not be afraid from failure, but learn from it. You know, like seeing my kids and wanting them to, try it, see what happens. Right. And then let's learn from the experience, you know, not having to do make perfect decisions every single time or perfect moves every single time, but to, you know, to lose the game, to, you know, not not do as well on the papers, but, but then to process and say, all right, well, wh- what didn't I do as well as I could have? How could I get better? You know, having that, um, that initiative and seeing that, in uh, some of the things you know, my kids are doing now, and, and like knowing, like you've you've done a good job of because you're a little bit of ahead of me in that area, being a good model of that as well, and thinking about you know also too like friendship as well. So I mean, there's some good learning uh, building blocks that we can touch on as well.
1: Uh, I just want to jump in on that And that, that, that you just talked about. Right? Is is giving opportunities to fail or, or succeed? Just as a coach, I'd rather lose a a 2-1 game um, than win 10-0, speaking from a softball or baseball perspective, because your kids are going to grow from that competitiveness that happens in a 2-1 game, that they're not going to grow in a 10-0 game. And so we want to put our kids, we want to put our students in a position of success or failure. They might be close there, but to make it too easy doesn't do anybody any good on that part.
0: Yeah, for our math folks up there, that's like produ- the idea of productive struggle, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a good, a good thing. Yep. All right,
1: we did. It so we
0: we. I, any any other things on the on the pyramid? I got one more question for you, but anything else on the pyramid?
1: No, I would just I would just encourage people, even if even if reading the book isn't right, of 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 just having that that pyramid of success, just looking at it every now and again. Um, this is, this has been great for me just to review and preparing for this. Again, it's been a couple of years since I've looked at this and and this has sparked conversations in myself. Um, you know, it's challenged me to ask, you know, you asked about what are your favorite, what, what are the ones, Shane, that you think you're weakest in right now um, and, and feel like you need to work on. And so it, it's just a good, in John Wood's words, they're just classic. So I just yeah. encourage people to take a look at that every now and again.
0: Yeah. Well, and also too, I just, I did a episode where we talked about like a year of discipleship and doing some things with our kids to kind of move them from, you know, childhood to adulthood. And I did that with our, my pastor down here, Eric George, and we talked about some books we went through. I did not use this book when I went through it with Noah, but I I am going to do it when I uh, work through with Jack coming up in the next couple of years. Cause I mean, yeah, it's like, Hey, when I'm talking about team spirit, this is what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about being in uh, using initiative, this is what I'm talking about. So we have like a common vocabulary that we can go back to. So maybe, maybe, maybe I can get, uh, Noah to help facilitate that. And yeah, these are great ideas. I'm writing these down, jumping for Joel. That's what I'm doing uh, <laughs> on the spot. Okay. Shane. Um, you know, we I presented you this question. I don't know if actually, I don't know if I presented this question before, but you are an experienced educator, both in the classroom and through your leadership, given all that, what is the best thing you have learned? And it could be learned recently hmm. to help you be a better teacher of students or teacher of teachers
1: hmm.
0: or a teacher of your kids
1: yeah i'm 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 gonna go with my foundational one that I've had since two thousand three and then the one that i've've added to that more recently and it's an old one we don't know who it's attributed to, but that idea of of, of people don't care how much you know um, until they know how much you care and I just that just continues to to reveal itself to me as an administrator working with um working with families. Uh, working with staff members um, they don't care about how many years I've been in this position or how many years I've been a teacher and and similarly as a parent if you want to bring in that aspect of it um, my kids don't care about that you know how what I know about this or that subject is if I demonstrate that I care then they will listen and then we can work together on that knowing part Um, that just is a foundation and then and then the next part that I think feeds into that 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 I've really been focusing on recently is Listen more than you speak. Uh, uh, even as a teacher, we, we want to fix right away. We want to jump in. We want to solve kids' problems. Are we facilitating learning best by doing that? Listen. Hear what the kid is truly asking. Hear what the kid truly needs. Meet them there. Um, but don't just assume and jump in and be preparing your answer. Even Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Listen and listen deeply
0: yeah what is what is the actual concern underneath or what is like or even just being heard right just listening to, they they don't need you to solve it just mm-hmm. just hear them that's those are those are gems um thank you Shane. We finally got to do this
1: yeah thank you my friend thank you for being patient uh thank you for thank you for your leadership uh in both in the college and in doing podcasts like this uh this has been extremely valuable in my life. And I trust in in your listeners as well. So thank you for for jumping forward and doing these type of things.
0: Well, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, well, we'll we'll figure out another one, another book, <laughs> another something to do.
1: All right. That sounds good. Thanks, Shane.
0: All right. So you know, you end the the podcast episode, and you realize that you know when you're talking about you know these words and you're talking about like success and poise at skills and skills and then you talk about a word of integrity which is like purity of intentions and you realize wow this podcast episode is a is a is a violation of some of that so one of them is uh hey I said we're going to do a snake draft and I completely ignored that as soon as we were done with the episode Shane's like hey we didn't snake you know that right you just kept going first <laughs> yeah uh, sorry yep sorry i just was excited we were doing a draft I was excited for that and I forgot to do the snake and uh, Shane is too polite to uh, correct me while we were recording. So, but that's again, Hey, being able to identify that uh, you did not use integrity. That's probably some integrity, right? So anyway, we're, we're trying, we're trying now. I'd like to dive into the mailbag and we have a submission for the mailbag from Stephanie. Uh, and, if you're looking to submit something to mailbag, you can send questions, comments, and suggestions to joel at com. So here is the uh, submission for Stephanie. The question, how do you teach those with a high aptitude in how to teach others? Great question. Now, when I think about this question, I think actually about my experience teaching secondary math methods, okay? So you think about it. Secondary math methods is people that want to become middle school and high school teachers in a specific content area. That means usually that they have a high aptitude in that content. Speaking from my own experience, when I was at the University of Wisconsin, I was a secondary ed math major. I basically almost had to be a major in mathematics. I mean, the level of math that I had to go to in order to get my degree in secondary ed math I mean, I was doing modern algebra, doing discrete mathematics, doing a lot of statistics and probability, like all sorts of uh, you know, college geometry advanced calculus, all this sort of stuff, modern algebra, where you're talking about ring and field theory, which looked a lot like what like Goodwill Hunting was doing on like the chalkboard and stuff. Those at MIT might disagree with what I just said because it was undergraduate mathematics. I get it. But still, it was thinking like it was in the same it was the same neighborhood. Whatever. Anyway, high aptitude. Right, high aptitude and content, and then going back and teaching maybe sixth grade math or seventh grade math or any high school math, and I taught a lot of ninth grade math, and so that was actually one of the major ahas that I had uh, when I was started teaching with Joe Di, was I wasn't teaching myself, right? I wasn't teaching a bunch of folks that were successful in math from the you know kindergarten on. Which I was, I I think I was pretty successful in that. I had a high aptitude math, and now I'm being asked to teach those that don't have the same relationship, right? They don't have the same relationship, or even have um, a desire to have the same relationship. So, how do you do that? So, one, you, you know, thinking about that and thinking about answering Stephanie's question, and and I kind of see it. This could be a teaching question, but it also could be a tutoring question, right? And so, thinking about. Uh, it and so one thing that I would suggest is framing it as a relationship, so framing this thing of you know trying to learn some sort of content, learn algebra and or learn about literature, learn some science, whatever it 's about developing a relationship with that content, so you want them to have a positive relationship with it, so that could be there 's a couple of different ways of doing that is thinking about, well, where do they see this content within their world, right? So, you know, literature, if they're into some music, you could point out the music, the lyrics of the music that they like is is literature, right? Or whatever they're reading, right? And thinking about the specific kind of literature it is. Or if I'm thinking about mathematics, where do they see this mathematics in their life? When will they use this? But I taught in a math um, that had a lot of different contexts, so... I'm ready for that. So thinking about context and, you know, like, Hey, you're already doing some of this stuff, which here, side story real quick, had a student that was, um, student teaching in a school and saw a kid get kicked out of her classroom. And, you know, there was some deficit language about that kid that was being kicked out. Like he's not really good at math. And the kid really didn't see themselves as being successful in math. Well, then I saw that kid later in a game shop and I was doing a, for my doctoral work, I had to do a, like an ethnography, like a little ethnography where I went and learned something that was completely outside of my own experience. So I went to a game shop and learned about Magic the Gathering. And that same kid was there in that shop. And he was telling me all about this deck that he had built. So in Magic the Gathering, you build like a, like a card deck that you would then use to play the game. You have certain limitations on what can and can't be in the deck. And he said, Hey, this is supposed to be like some sort of um, what do you say, uh, junk deck? Yeah, it was some sort of junk deck, but he had figured it out on how you could really play this and win a lot, but people wouldn't see it because of they think it's a junk deck. And he talked about, and the, what he was laying out was all these probabilities and logic and all this stuff. I'm like, he's doing math. And yet, and here it is doing math here, but in this other context, he's seen as not a doer of math. So making that bridge, right? So there's one way is to help them see their relationship with mathematics and also to frame it, the learning as developing the relationship with mathematics, right? And honoring that. And also knowing that there might be some repair that needs to be done because some harm, trauma, whatever could have happened in within the context of learning that subject. So if we think about it as developing a relationship, you may like, hey, have you had any bad experiences with it, with this subject before? Like, do we need to like go back and remedy some of those things? And that might actually be content stuff, right? Where there's like definitions and things that they might not be aware of or whatever. And that actually goes right into my second uh, thing would be to start with definitions, making sure you're speaking the same language, right? And so, you know, thinking about what are the definitions of... um that you're dealing with, with whatever content you are dealing with, like, do we, are we speaking the same language? That's really important. Cause if you start talking about either parts of speech or vocabulary terms that people are unaware of, like you are speaking a different language. Like, what are you talking about, about parallel or perpendicular? What are you talking about, about, you know, adverbs and adjectives? Like, I don't know what that means. And so making sure that again, you're speaking the same language. So start with vocabulary. And I remember, um, in one of my high level math classes, the teacher said, Hey, if you know the vocabulary, you're going to get a C in this class. And, and I believe I, I might've shared this before in the con in the podcast, but by having the vocabulary, I was able then to have a much better chance of answering the questions about fields and rings and all this like very complex stuff, because I knew the language, I knew the vocabulary, I knew what I could lean on that just like. Hey, kind of like this episode, where we're leaning on the vocabulary that Wooden's laying out. Like, hey, when we're talking about integrity, we mean purity of intention, right? When we're talking about success, we're talking about uh, his definition of success. And so, all right, so vocabulary. Three is representation. So another way to help somebody with a high aptitude teach others is like messing around with uh, with representation. And so what I mean by that and from a math perspective is a lot of times we just deal with symbols, Right. And so there's like expanding and and like um, factoring and and like solving an equation and stuff like that. And so we're really good. I mean, if, if you have a good relationship with math or you did a lot with mathematics, you're probably pretty good at manipulating symbols. Well, manipulating symbols is really abstract. That's an abstract representation of a problem. So if you think about a problem like, you know, 5x plus 2 equals 12, right? And so we're trying to solve that. And some of you already figured it out. Oh, but it's two. The answer's two. You know, you figured that out. Well, great. But some of you, like some might be like, oh, I don't know what the answer is. Well, it, and like, you know, some of you are thinking, well, you have to undo the equation. It's pretty simple. you got to subtract two from both sides and divide both sides by five. and You'll come up with the answer. Versus, let's think about what that actually means in a graph. What does that look like in a graph? So that would mean, I'm looking at a graph of five X plus two and I put it on an X, Y coordinate and I'm trying to figure out when is that graph going to cross when Y, the Y symbol or the, at the Y level where it equals 12. I have to figure that out. And so that's a, that could be like an intersection. I'm going to graph 12. I'm going to graph five X plus two. I'm looking for that intersection point. Great. Okay. So there's a visual and some of you are like, well, that seems like a lot of work. Well, some people like they need that. What are we actually doing? Well, we're finding that intersection point. We're finding when this graph is going to cross 12. Another representation could be a um, a table. And thinking about if I put in values in for X, when does it push out that 5X plus 2 equals 12, right? So when do I see that? And oh, not when X equals 1. Not when X equals 1.5. And X equals 2. Ooh, there it is. Okay, there it is. And so able to see that. That's another representation. A little bit, you know, still, you know, not completely concrete, right? But still a different representation. Another one could be like to come up with a context for this. So, you know, maybe it's, um, oh, what's a good context? Maybe it's uh, delivering pizzas, okay? For every pizza I deliver, it's, I get two bucks for the trip, and then five bucks for every pizza that I deliver. That's probably not a great situation or maybe that's not a great situation for maybe that's a great situation for you the pizza deliverer not for the business but let's just go with it so if I get two dollars every time I go out and five dollars for every pizza I deliver on that trip you know how much am I going to make if I'm selling five pizzas it might or like how much did I make if I got made twelve dollars on the trip how many pizzas did I deliver and that could be a way to figure it out like okay one pizza would be five plus two two pizzas would be ten plus plus two. Oh, 12 there you go Right? So there's like a, a, I could actually think about that situation. I could actually like model that out. I could like use, you know, like checkers and say, okay, here's one pizza you delivered. All right, so there's five bucks for that pizza, $2 for the trip. Ooh, that's only $7. All right, let's put another one on. Oh, there's my 12. Right? So having a context too. So representations could be, we've got the symbols, and that's usually the most abstract. Right? So thinking about graphing, thinking about equations, or thinking about graphing, thinking about tables, and then also thinking about a context. Well then, oh, hey, Joel, that works great for math, but what about other, you know, what about if it's like I'm trying to identify evidence from a passage that something is true? Well, what's the representations we could deal with there? Usually we say it as a, as a written text. Well, what about if we mess around with a, like a, an audible, like, a, like an audio book, where the book is still there, so we still have the verbal passage, the written out passage, but then we have to throw an audio text on top of it, or we read it out loud. And then it's not the struggle, possibly, of reading it or getting struck from the symbols, but just taking in the story and then taking in the passage and then figuring out, all right, so where's the evidence here for this thing that I'm trying to look for? So that's a that's a difference of representation, right? Because if the em- emphasis is on, you know, finding evidence within a passage, does it need to be? Does it need to be the written passage? Yes, you want them to be able to eventually like get from the written passage, just like yes, I want my students eventually to use the symbols. But having that context and being able to do it but, and then translate it to a different representation, that's probably easier than just trying to keep doing it unsuccessfully in one representation. So messing around with representation, that's another one. And I think all this, too, is going to help you deal with empathy, right? Is to change up representations, to change up vocabulary, or to make sure that we are all in the vocabulary, and then also think about is developing a relationship. I think those are great places to start with regards to helping somebody with a high aptitude teach others, right? And so there you go. That's something that's I say. And also, too, what this is going to do for that person with a high aptitude, it's going to help them come up with a bunch of different angles on how to teach. And that's also going to help them with their understanding and, and help them develop as a teacher. I know for me, um, man, having that empathy muscle got a lot of exercise in my early years of teaching. Because, again, I was... I wasn't teaching myself, so I had to think, like, how would somebody else take up this question? How would somebody else take up this? And having kind of—and um, we actually had an awesome assignment when I was undergraduate where you kind of had these three students that you would keep in mind, and sometimes they'd have identified needs or sometimes they're just, you know, different personalities and perspectives, and think about how would I best teach these kids, these three kids? Like, what would I do? Would this? How would this problem or this exercise or this, uh, you know, question work for each of these three kids and having that as like a perspective on, on how best to teach them. So that was, that was a, uh, that was good. That was uh, a good exercise for me. So yeah, that's my suggestions there, Stephanie is uh, think about it as developing a relationship and also considering a relationship and maybe is there need of any uh, healing in the relationship of that student that you're teaching or interacting with. Also then thinking about vocabulary. Do we all start in the same place of vocabulary and then think about representation, uh, and how do we sh- shake that up so that we're not just dealing with abstract forms, right? Okay. So, uh, and that's also, there's some research behind that. It was specifically in mathematics when, if you're thinking about just dealing with abstract, like specifically thinking about it with, um, uh, in mathematics, like that abstract, like thinking about how do we, what's the representation of it? So a drawing or a picture of it, and then what's the concrete There's a lot of research saying, hey, that's going to help kids be successful is to concrete representational abstract. Lots there. Anyway, I'm talking too much. All right. That's the mailbag. So, again, if you're looking to contribute to the mailbag, you can uh, submit a question, comment, or suggestion to Joel at AmazonPlanet.com. All right. That's it for this episode of the Amazon Planet podcast. Show notes can be found at AmazonPlanet.com forward slash episode 83. Now, for those of you looking for ways to support the podcast, you can submit a question, comment, or suggestion to the mailbag by sending an email to joel at aminonplanet.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and review and share this episode with, which will allow more people similar, uh, more people looking for similar content to find it. As always, you can follow Amazon Planet on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Aminon Planet Facebook page. In addition, you can subscribe to the Aminon Planet download, which contains teaching resources and updates from Aminon Planet. You can find links to that at join the email list buttons at AmazonPlanet.com and finally thank you for spending time on Amazon Planet Uh, thanks to Shane for sharing his time and expertise thanks to Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode and finally thank you to all of you out there learning to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others this world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you have been given to serve others thank you for all that you do peace